welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of your hosts, Asia Bonilla. And I'm the other and most funny and magnanimous host, Charles Sheeland. And today we're finishing Inkspell, which is a second book in Cornelia Funke's Inkheart trilogy, which I think I liked better than the first book, I think. Well, I'll reserve my judgment and opinion for later. Throwback Paperback is our podcast with the Nerd Party Network, and we're best friends, and we read and reread young adult books from our adolescence and share them with each other. And at the end of this episode, we're going to be announcing the next series that we'll be covering. Yeah, lately we've been doing units sort of around themes, but right now we're just kind of being a little bit random, but we just had a team meeting to plan what we're going to read next, and I'm really excited about the next few series that we're going to read. And yes, like I just said, we'll announce the next one at the end of the episode. So... By the way, the series Inkheart was recommended to both of us, but neither of us had actually read it. So we're glad we're covering it for the show, but it's not like this was one that either one of us had read before. Well, I don't know if I'm happy we're covering it, but <laughs> we'll see how... We... Well, I'm glad people will stop anno- stop texting me and saying, why haven't you read Inkheart yet? Yeah, so... Actual text I get. This was a listener-recommended one, but that's okay. I'm going to go ahead and summarize the second half of Inkspell now, though, since, unfortunately, I'm on summary duty. So we have Meggie and Mo who are working together to trick the Adderhead into releasing them. And basically, there's more fighting, and it's all Fenolio's fault for messing with the story. And this leads to our good guys being reunited and getting away from the Adderhead, but Fareed is killed. Sad face. And... But then Dustfinger sacrifices himself for Fareed and basically switches places with him. So Dustfinger's dead, but Fareed's alive, which is still sad, but not as sad. Then Fareed and Meggie and Fenolio mess it up even further by summoning in Orpheus into the story so that he can possibly fix Dustfinger's death. And that's pretty much where we finished. And as far as my impressions go... I'm definitely still not Inkart's number one fan. I mean, I'm really not a fan at all. But I will say that my mind has changed on my connection to the characters. That's something I mentioned, I think, from the very beginning of us reading the series, is that I just felt like there was a disconnect for me. Like, I just felt like I couldn't get emotionally invested in any of the characters. But I was starting to feel like, I liked Fenolio and Meggie's relationship. No, not Fenolio. Fareed and Meggie's relationship and Fareed and Dustfinger's relationship. But at this point, I'd say my two favorite characters are probably Dustfinger and Fareed. And so the fact that they were the only two characters who faced death was definitely upsetting. But they also were the ones that, to me, have real superpowers. So they're definitely the best characters, in my opinion. But I'll save the rest of my thoughts for later on. Yeah, I would say for my impression that this was also my, this was definitely my favorite Inkworld reading so far. But maybe that's just because it was the shortest one or it felt like the shortest one. I do want to read the next book because I now feel like there's a hook for the third book. I remember when we finished book one, I was like, okay, we could just be done now. But now I'm like, no, we got to finish this trilogy. And I know there was a fourth book written, not that we're going to read that on the show because she wrote that like almost 20 years later, but maybe we'll do something with that down the line. But I do want to finish the third book because I am interested to see how it resolves. Though, again, I also am not the biggest fan. And I'll leave it at that. Let's go ahead and dive in. So... Maggie and Fareed luckily connect with Dustfinger at the mill. But Maggie is promptly conscripted to heal Mo, and then she eventually is actually captured by the Adderhead's men. Meanwhile, back at the 
mill, Basta shows up and Farid sets him on fire. And I was like, oh, yeah, we're finally done with Basta. We killed him. Well, joke's on you because we are not done with him. He somehow survives literally being like lit on fire. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that. I definitely thought he was dead dead. Oh, and before I forget, I last week in the episode, I'm pretty sure I called the prince Giacomo, but his name is Jacopo. I don't think it matters that much, but I'm pretty sure I said the wrong thing last week, and I wanted to go on the record correcting it, just in case it does matter. Well, good for you, because I think his character is pretty much irrelevant, but I'm glad that you caught that for yourself. But back to that joke being on you, it was actually on the both of us because I wrote down in my notes that Farid and Dustfinger killed Basta, I think, which they didn't. But yeah, Ugh. that one was annoying. At least, yeah, like I feel, totally thought we got him because also like Basta, I don't know. I was, I'm kind of over the whole like, I've got this knife. I'm going to split you up a bunch of ways. I'm like, he's really annoying. Like, like he needs to shut up. Like, he's not even I, like a good villain. Go like, he's just like, I. He's not scary. No, he just sounds a little stupid. Like, he's like, I have a knife, but like, I'm afraid of everything. Like, I'm so superstitious. <laughs> Which, I mean, maybe that makes him complex, but we don't get enough of him to make me like invested, you know? Also, the fact that he still is working with Mertola. Yeah. Mertola. What he sounds, re- he's really yeah. pathetic. How he's still working with her after Capricorn literally was going to murder him. Like, to me, that's just like a whole nother, a whole nother level of idiotic that I just can't handle. Like, I just, I can't even deal with that. Well, you know, I could say that there are a lot of people in our country who maybe, you know, have a maniacal obsession with certain people who actually work against their self-interest. Oh, God. Don't don't get us started. Anyway, unfortunately, we did not get Basta in that moment. Not yet. But on a lighter note, I wanted to pull a quote because, like I said last week, to me, the best parts of this book are Fareed's relationships with Maggie and Dustfinger. And I got just the perfect quote for it. And this is Fareed talking with Maggie. And he says... You can't go back anyway, he whispered to her. As soon as we have your father free, we'll explain that to him. And she's like, explain what? Why, that we're afraid he'll have to leave you here because you belong with me now and I'm staying with Dustfinger. Which was just so cute. Like, basically, because Maggie was talking about, like, what is she going to do? Like, is she going to go back to the real world? And Fareed's like, you have to stay in the book with me. Like, we belong together. Like, you're 13. You're of age. We can get married. I mean... No little kids getting married. Again, we do not condone that, but still sweet. I thought that was a very sweet part in the book. And probably the best line of the whole series so far, like I said. Fareed, at this point, and even now, I think Fareed is my favorite character. And honestly, he's like the true hero of the story. Like, everyone else is a side character. Because he's already, like, saved Maggie and Dustfinger's lives. Probably multiple times. pretty sure Maggie is the main character. Yeah, but Maggie's kind of boring. Like, I don't know. Maggie is, like, true. Like, Maggie is neutral good or true good, like, in that thing. Like, Which Maggie is, is the boring. most. I agree. I'm, let me finish my sentence. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm I just agree. like. <laughs> I agree. But Maggie yeah, is, like, the most vanilla good version. And. Farid is chaotic good, which makes him much yes. more interesting to read. Yes, because he's like, I'll slit Basta's throat because that's the right thing to do. And I'm like, yes, Farid, you do that. Whereas <laughs> Maggie's like, I mean, I don't want to jump ahead, but like Maggie's like, you know, no violence. And I'm like, Maggie, these people are ready to kill you. You Sometimes you got to use violence in the name of good. Like, Also, you're not jumping ahead. Remember Maggie literally couldn't kill Capricorn at the last book? Yeah. At the end of the last book, like it took Mo doing it for her. And that's going to be, well, something we'll talk about, I'm sure, later in the episode. But I, t- yes. I take your point. I think that Fareed, I think for me, the most, ugh, no, I don't know. I think my most interesting character to read is Eleanor because I feel like she's just always yelling. Eleanor? Eleanor <laughs> wasn't even in the book. It wasn't even in the reading. Okay. Actually, my favorite character to read is definitely Mo. Uh, uh, 
not that incompetent man. <laughs> Even though I will say he had a little bit of a redemption arc that we'll talk about soon for this section. Okay. Well, I agree. Your quote, quite tender. It's very sweet. Also, I liked when Mo calls out, because I like Mo, but Mo calls out Maggie for having a crush and also Dustfinger at one point. He's remarking to himself that Fareed is in love for the first time. And it was like, wow, look at that parallel father figures. It's, it is sweet. It, that, and yeah, it's some, very sweet. And we needed some sweet moments, you know, when they're like locked up in prison. <laughs> then, like I said, Maggie gets taken away to heal Mo and help him basically execute the remainder of Fenolio's plan, which again, Fenolio wrote some words to take down the Adderhead with fake Cosimo, blah, blah, blah. And so Maggie now has to go help Mo execute the rest of that plan. Yes, but I have something else. I'm not really sure when to work this in, but this happens around the same time. It's a bit random, but Mortula, whatever, goes to like visit Reza down in her prison because, you know, half of the story is people being in prison, which is probably why this is terrible. It's not that interesting, but Mortula comes and, like, is taunting Reza, you know, that Mo's gonna die, Maggie's gonna die, like, all your loved ones are gonna die, and Mortula, like, reaches her hand in to, like, I don't know, like, slap Reza or something, but Reza grabs her hand, but then is like, able to get her other hand in and still smack her, and I'm like, why didn't Reza, like, bite her finger off? Like, I just, again, where is, like, fight back? Like... Why are you letting yourself get walked all over? Okay. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't want to bite some dirty old lady's hand. I don't want to get typhoid from her hand, but. I just meant in the sense of like, I just read that section. Why over. she's, Reza's pretty passive, to be perfectly honest. Which is why she's been downgraded in my mind. That's why we like Fareed. We like Dustfinger with their fire superpowers, taking, putting themselves into action. I guess if you say so. Well, you mentioned that you think Freed and Dustfinger are the best. I want to mention what I think is the worst part of this book, which is, well, I don't want to say undoubtedly because maybe you don't feel the same way, but I think it's Fenolio. I really, really, really don't like him. I, I think he's so snooty and self-aggrandizing, and I don't feel like he was like that in Inkheart. Like, he wasn't necessarily, like, chummy or likable but like he just kind of seemed like a doddering old fool like pretty harmless but like in this book he's like completely different he thinks he's literally jesus christ yeah he's changed and i mean he is the creator of the ink world so i guess he in that way kind of is god but i'm like it's not becoming so take that yeah he's literally formed a god complex from living in the world he's created Exactly. Also, some other things I don't like about him. He now has developed a crush on Roxanne, who is a character that he made up. He made her up to be the most beautiful, gorgeous, intelligent, kind, gorgeous voice, whatever person. And he made her up and he is developing like romantic feelings for her, which if we're going with the god or like creator complex, it's a little like incest pedophile. A little bit. Like, you made, like, your perfect person, and then you, like, like out of clay, and then you just, like, reanimated them and <laughs> fell in love with them. It's kind of gross. It's kind of gross. That's, stop, that's disgusting. I mean, and he's like, oh, come on, Fenolio, you can't like her. You wrote her, and oh I'm like, Oh my god, when he stop. had all those lines where he's, like, talking to himself, and then he literally slips up and starts talking to himself out loud, I was like, he's losing it. <sighs> oh my god. Another thing, the thing that's probably the most annoying, is that he keeps messing with the story. And I know he created the story, so whatever. We can talk about, like, whether, you know, because he's the creator, he gets to change it. But because he keeps doing these things... He's making problems worse, and he's not learning his lesson about unintended consequences. Like, you know, for example, he tells Roxanne about how Dustfinger missed her, 
And while that's true and that's a harmless thing to do, it could have repercussions that we don't know yet. And that's been like kind of his whole MO. The last book is like he keeps, you know, every even the songs about the Blue Jay, like that changes. That changes the way the world works. And I just think that that is ill-advised and like, you know, I mean, we'll get to it in a second in the end. But, like, even when I said, like, he and Mikey developed this plan to defeat the Adderhead, and, like, you know, so far, because Mikey couldn't read the whole thing, it didn't actually come through, and now the Adderhead is immortal. I mean, I know Mo has a plan to, like, take that down, but, like, you know, the Adderhead wouldn't be immortal if Finolio hadn't messed with it, you know? Yeah. Okay, I'm almost done. I have one more thing that really, really, really bothers me about him. So, in when he writes to... Maggie, he basically says, well, not he basically, he does say that because Mo, the Blue Jay is based on Mo, basically the Blue Jay is Mo. When he like says that, when Maggie says the words to heal him, it worked. Finolio's like, I think it worked because Mo is actually a character in the story because he's the Blue Jay. So maybe it was good that I wrote him in as a character. And I was like, stop, stop, you're retconning. That's complete garbage. Like, you are trying to justify your bad behavior and the fact that your reckless, selfish vanity projects of writing these songs has put Mo in danger. Like, this is all your fault, you stupid, stupid man. And stop trying to, like, gaslight Maggie into thinking that you did something good for Mo. when if you hadn't based a character who is definitely, like, you know, prime suspect number one on her dad, he wouldn't be in freaking danger. So... I was so angry. Like, he's literally trying to gaslight Maggie into being like, thank you, Finolio, for basing a character on my dad. Okay. My rant is over right now, but I really, really don't like Finolio. <sighs> well, back to some more disappointment, though. We see <laughs> that Basta and Mortula are there when Maggie is delivered to the Adderhead. So, like we said, Basta did survive. And... Maggie is able to convince the Adderhead, though, that Mo and her can write him a book that will keep him immortal. And he goes for it. And, yeah, I think this guy is clearly very desperate. I mean, it's kind of part of, it was kind of all part of Finolio's plan. Like, the Adderhead already, like, really feared death, and Finolio seemed to have kind of, like, escalated that. So, obviously, it's made him extremely desperate, so he kind of will believe anything, but I mean, ultimately it ends up working. So it's really not that unbelievable, I guess. I just want to say this gives mad Voldemort vibes. Adderhead literally loves snakes so much that he names himself after one of them and he wants to be immortal. Like, is he Lord Voldemort? I mean, maybe like the... B, C, D level. I don't know. He's nowhere near as interesting as Voldemort, but... Yeah, Lord Voldemort is a very fascinating character, but... That's why I mean, like, I'm really <laughs> I know. not even like, interested... I literally don't care about the Adderhead. <laughs> I was like, I'm really I'm not like, even interested the in the Adderhead. Like, I know I'm sure that's gonna play into the next book, because he, like Charles mentioned, he does become immortal, but I really don't care. Because <laughs> to me, like, what was presented of him wasn't that interesting. It's true. It's true. Like, we keep hearing that he's, like, evil and he burns villages and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, let me see it. Like, Yeah, we haven't really gotten any firsthand encounters, so it's kind of hard. We're just, we've been told a lot about him, but we haven't really gotten many interactions. And we've actually been told a lot about a lot of the characters. It's kind of, like, bleh, if you know what I mean. Yeah, what happened to showing, not telling. Exactly. But anyway, moving on, we have Dustfinger and Fareed, who are going to break into the Castle of the Night to try to get to Maggie, Mo, and Reza to, like, see how they're doing. They can't really break them out, but they're just, like, checking the status, basically. And at first, I thought Dustfinger and Fareed, like, do this kind of, like, magical spell, I guess, like, with the fire, eating, whatever, like, mixed with water. And I thought, like, whatever the magic was, it made it so that they, like, had, like soot like almost like ashes or something like some 
dark material. I thought that I thought based on how it was described, like they got it. They so did that they blackface. Could, basically, <laughs> but like not like blackface and like no. like that, but not like, like, like camouflage, like when. Like, in the military yes. and stuff, they, like, rub dirt on their face. Like, that was the image that was p- appearing in my head. That Yes, it was basically kind of blackface, but not that intention, obviously. And they were blending it into their skin, basically, to make them black, like, the night. Um, because, like I said, there was, like, no moon. It was very dark. Basically, so that in the dark, they would be, quote-unquote, invisible. But Dustfinger goes down into, like, the dungeons to visit Reza and she literally like can't see him like she doesn't see him like he has to like get her attention like he writes his name in fire yes, like he literally, or he writes her she name literally in fire on the him. wall then she comes over and he like touches her and is like whispering to her but like she doesn't know where she is so that means like they can't just be like covered in something because even if you were covered in dirt like when your eyes are open you would see your eyes like the whites of your eyes so like they are fully invisible which like so i didn't i don't know if you realized that from the beginning and like made that connection or it wasn't until he talked to her i did realize that i also didn't care i i like (laughs) was like i cared because i was like this is like real magic like i feel like we haven't had i mean the magic in this story to me is like it's super unexplained well i feel like i feel like since we've actually been in the book in the actual ink world i feel like it's a little bit more defined like the fact that he like tricks the fairies into like making his skin like waterproof and then he can put it in the fire flowers yeah and that like gives him like the special power but like it comes at a cost because he has to like have burning honey in his mouth for a year Yeah, there's, like, way more of, like, an explanation. The world building is, like, really there. So I just found this part, like, really interesting because I feel like in the first book, we didn't really get much of that because they were in, like, the normal world. They weren't in the ink world, whereas now we're getting a little bit more of that, which is also why I had really been enjoying reading, like, about Dustfinger because he has the ability to control fire and he works with, like, the fire elves and the fairies. And so we really kind of get the magical stuff when we're looking at him. And like I said, honestly, mm-hmm. his him and how he's teaching for Reed to do like the fire stuff, like it's literally like a superpower. Like, yeah, they're literally superheroes. So that's why they're my favorites. <laughs> I did think it was funny that like Dustfinger goes to talk to Risa and then he can't get her out of prison. Like it kind of felt like a pointless chapter, except that we got to see his like superpower because. Like, he goes and talks to her, and he's like, I can't break you out. And she's like, okay, see you later, dude. And he's like, gotta go. Well, he is able to go and be like, oh, like, we're gonna help, like, Maggie and Mo, like, give her something to, like, hold on to, to hope for. I guess. I just felt like it was kind of pointless. And, like, he knows Maggie's plan, that, like, she has Fenolio's writing, and that she's read this aloud, whereas, like... Reza at this point is complete in the dark, has no idea what's going on. So it kind of gives her something to like hope for. So I, I think it served a purpose. Okay, I guess. Well, I I'm glad though that you like Dustfinger now, like that you have something to enjoy about him. Oh wait, wait. I have one more thing I want to add because I think this was mentioned during their conversation. Don't they say like I definitely think, like, Reza and Dustfinger had, like, a relationship. Like, I know it was hinted at, but they had something, like... It kind of sounded like they, like, were involved. They were involved because... Because she says how, like, when... I think when Mortula comes and, like, smacks her around or whatever, she says something like, you know, when Mo finds out, like, what you did with that fire eater or whatever, and Reza's like, she told Mo everything, but Dustfinger hasn't talked about it with Roxanne, his wife, but they definitely, like, something... So that could just be that, like, they, like, were close friends and that, like, Dustfinger wanted more. I mean, maybe. I don't know. But, like, based on how, like, I think it was at this section or at some section where they were talking, like, it just seemed like it was almost like it was more. And I just realized I was like, are we going to get more of that? Like, is Dustfinger going to come back to life and we're going to get the tea? Because, again, this is what I find interesting (laughs) in the story. (laughs) Okay. I want to say that I like his superpower more because, because we got the, like, world building part of it. 
Like, it doesn't feel like a random thing. Like, it feels like he's actually better than other people at this. And But, like, it's something that he's learned. He's, like, thought more about fire. He's been more creative about it. And therefore, that's why he's better. And that's why, like, it's exciting when we see him do something new with it. So I agree with what you're saying. I also want to, like, shout out the fact that it feels like he's much more intentional about it than other characters. Well, also, the power, I think they mentioned, like, he's more easily able to do it now that he's back in the ink world. Also because, like, I feel like in the first book, my understanding of, like, what he did with fire is he, like, played with fire. Like, he would light fire and he would do the tricks and stuff. Yeah, he just seemed like a, like a minstrel. Yeah. Whereas now, like, I feel like he, like, snaps his fingers and there's, like, fire on his fingers. Like... Oh, yeah. It's, like, magic fire. He's magical. Like, I'm saying, like, I feel like there was an escalation, which I feel like it's explained because it's, like, okay, now we're in the ink world where there is, like, real magic. Yes. So I'm just... I guess all I'm saying is I am enjoying that escalation. Like, for... I am enjoying more fantasy in my life. Like, wow. What growth. Wow. That is some some growth from you. Don't worry, we're going to have some more fantasy in the next few series, eventually. Okay, well, I think it's about time then to talk about the battle. Wait, you want to skip all the way to the battle? Like, the ending? I mean, yeah, I didn't have any other notes until then. Well, I did, because, you know, we have the whole binding of the book, and, you know, the Adderhead people, like, they kill fake Cosimo. Oh, I thought that storyline was kind of pointless. <laughs> I didn't write anything I mean, down I do, during that section. I, I do, was like, let's move on. I actually on. did think, I did think the whole fake Cosimo story was kind of pointless, because literally nothing comes of it, except a bunch of bloodshed, and Finoli was like, I shouldn't write, and I'm like, yeah, you shouldn't. Um, but, so Mel and Maggie, they make the magic book, and it does end up keeping the Adderhead alive. And then... He lets them go. Like, he literally just lets them walk out of the palace, including the prisoners. I was baffled. I did not see that coming. I mean, I was assuming that was happening because even the Black Prince, whatever, like he said, usually when that happens, he sells them off on, like, a slave ship. So he'll let them go. And basically it is. Basta and his little army or whatever come, and the battle happens. So it was part of the plan, I'm assuming, because I'm definitely assuming the Adderhead was somewhat in on that. Oh, I wasn't assuming that, but that makes sense. That's why. So that didn't baffle me because I was like, of course he's going to let them go because he's going to attack them on the way out. I thought it was bizarre that the big bad villain. That makes sense. I literally didn't think that far ahead. I was like, why would he let them go? That makes no sense. Because he already planned because then if they were attacked, like I think the Black Prince even says he's like, he can be like, I'm pretty sure somewhere in the book somebody says it. They're like. Oh, you know, they'll be like, Basta went on his own to do it. Like, they let it, and he can be like, he had no idea. When, like, he definitely probably told them when they were, like, leaving and told them where they were going to end up going. Clearly, I wasn't paying attention. So that's why I wrote none of that down, because ultimately it was all pointless. I mean, I did think it was interesting that the book worked, because, again, that goes to show that, like, the reading the books, like, really can just, I guess, make anything happen. Apparently. Even though, did Maggie actually read that section? No. She, she, but We didn't mention it, but Fenolio, what he wrote her, Maggie was unable to finish the entire, like, passage. Correct. But did she read the section where, like, she said that the book... She didn't read the thing about the book, but maybe because that was, like, on the same page or whatever. Like, well, I don't know. Again, this is where it's, like, the magic's still not really defined, but it almost seemed like, because Maggie said, like, she got to a certain point where it was kind of like, if things were, like, kind of set in motion, like, they would just naturally happen as, like, they Correct. were supposed to, even though she didn't read the whole, like, full two pages or whatever it was. Yes, that was the vibe that I got. That was very much the vibe. But anyway, now that we, you know, discussed all that, the point, those pointless storylines, can we get to the battle now? Sure, go ahead. So, Basta shows up with thugs, like, a bunch of them, and this whole battle commences. Dustfinger and Freed, like, try to make fire, basically, to, like, protect the, like, freed prisoners and stuff. And Basta ends up throwing a knife 
and it kills Farid, which I was also like, Basa like throws a knife and like they say like it hits Farid and like he just dies instantly. So like he hit him like right in the heart, I guess, or like hit him right in his spine. Like, I don't know. Like it was instant death right then and there. And I was shocked (laughs) and definitely upset Especially because this is the moment where Dustfinger, like, really, like, accepts and, like, realizes how much he loves Freed and, like, he really does think of him like his son as he watches him die. So I was definitely sad and also angry because, like I said, Freed is, like, the best character and the one of the most likable characters. So I was really upset in this moment that, like, she decided to kill him. Like, out of all these terrible characters, you chose one of the good ones to kill. Yeah, I was pretty upset about that, too. Like, luckily, Mo does kill Basta in revenge. And I do think... Thank I'm God. pretty sure he's got to be dead dead now. Like, right? We've got to be done with oh, him. Oh, no. He, like, stabs him, like, through the chest. And, like it, like, it specifically says, like, Basta, like, lifeless body falls. So it's like, you know, like, he's dead. Yeah, but I was still sad that... I was still sad that Free died, and it was a shock. And I would say at this point, this is when I finally started to get hooked because, and this might have changed my mind about the story. We'll see how the next book goes because I still don't know because this is still the only section that I really somewhat enjoyed. But after they take, like, Fareed's body back, Dustfinger ends up, basically giving his life for Fareed's like he makes like a deal basically with the white women which I know that sounds like white women what does that have to do with anything because I don't think we've talked about them at all but they're basically like these spirits that like take your soul when you're dying or something like they people who are almost dying they like bring you into death or whatever so they're like scary ghost people basically but he makes a deal with them to give his life for Fareed's which was obviously heartbreaking but it was also like an ultimate redemption for him for everything he had did against Maggie and Mo and everyone else, like all those betrayals. It ultimately like completely all the times he abandoned Farid. Yes, he like he's completely redeemed now, which he needed. And I'm like I was sad that Dustfinger had to die because I did like Dustfinger as well. But I'm happy that Farid is alive because I think between the two of them, like who deserves to live, Farid. Like also, he's literally a child he should have a chance at life. And I just felt that was like a very well done scene, like how it was written because Dustfinger, like Dustfinger and Meggie are like with Freed's body and he like sends Meggie away. And he's like, there's this story of the white women, like ask Roxanne, she'll tell you. And when they come back, he's already done it. And like Freed's waking up and he's dead. And I don't know. It was just a very like heartbreaking scene. Yeah, I thought it was once again, Tender. I feel like I've been using that word for this book a lot. Maybe it's because it's such a young audience book. Also, I thought it was, like you mentioned, that it was well written. I agree. I also think that, like, Roxanne hating Fareed for all of this book is so human. I mean, maybe she should have gotten over the fact that Dustfinger's like, he's literally not my son. He looks nothing like me. And she's like, I can't be sure of that. Like, that was kind of annoying of her. But, like, the fact that she hates Fareed, and even in this moment of grief when, like, they theoretically could be united, she, like, she only chooses to hate him. And she now gets to, like, actually justify hating him because she can blame Dustfinger's death on him. Not saying that she should hate him, because I don't think that. But I'm saying it's, like, a very human reaction yeah, I think it also makes sense for her to hate Fareed because ultimately the thing that, like, would pull Dustfinger away from Roxanne is his love for, like, the fire and the powers with that, whereas that was something that Fareed could share with Dustfinger. And that's why I think ultimately Dustfinger found, like, this true love for Fareed because it wasn't just, like, he loved him for who he was and everything and how he was protective of of Dustfinger and stuff. But it was also that they had this thing that they could relate to. He finally got that, like, mentee. He could mentor him on his, like, literal favorite thing of, like, controlling fire and stuff. And that's something that Roxanne could never share with Dustfinger. So I think there's obviously that jealousy there. So, But, yeah, of course. So she's going to blame Fareed for his death when 
for me, I also just think it was really great because it ultimately, like, made Dustfinger a hero. Because I think, like, from the beginning of the story, we kind of said Dustfinger is kind of like this... Anti-hero. Anti-hero kind of... What'd you say? Anti-hero-ish thing. Yeah, he's like this anti-hero that, like, he tries to do the right thing, but he makes mistakes because he also, like, he really wanted to go home and, like, he's not exactly sure what's right, but, like, by the end, he knows what's right. I mean, also this whole book, I feel like, was him making that journey of, like, choosing to do the right thing. I mean, Maggie was constantly worried that he was only helping her and Fareed because he wanted to see Reza and he wanted to help Reza, but I think it was more than that, or, like, it grew to be more than that for Deathfinger. And so by the end, like, he, before he was worried about himself dying in the story, like, he didn't want Gwyn, the Martin, to come in because he didn't want to end up dying, whereas by the end, he's more worried about Fareed than he is for himself. Like, he's more worried that Fareed's going to get hurt, not about himself, and Fareed ultimately does get hurt, and Dustfinger makes, like, this huge sacrifice for like him i don't know i just felt like it was a really great like character growth moment which again i felt like we weren't getting that much in this story so i was just really happy to see it no i agree i think that's totally all true and yeah i i just i i like the way the characters respond because it feels genuine not staged it's not like they're all like oh thank goodness like Dustfinger, you know, so generous of him to, like, give his life for Fareed. Like, Fareed breaks, and he's like, we have to get him back. And Roxanne's like, I'm done with you forever. Whereas Maggie, Finoli, Maggie and Mo and Risa are much more defeatist. They're very much like, we've messed with the story one too many times. We've messed with death, it doesn't work. And I think that, like, the fact that you can't bring people back is going to be important. Because... We established that at the beginning of this book that you can't reanimate the de- live the dead with this writing, but so we'll see if that. Well, that's me jumping ahead. The book, the ending. <clears throat> we go back to my least favorite thing. Book starts to go a little off the rails again because one, Mo says that they can stay in the ink world, and I said, "Excuse me, what? You're gonna stay in the ink world? That's." A complete disaster also not real life like what and what about eleanor and darius like they are part of your family now like you're just gonna leave them <laughs> they got left behind. they got left behind they got left behind. like if you're gonna stay in the ink world summon them in summon them in so you can all be together as a family like what so rude it's like when last time they sent finoli they just left them behind they were irrelevant they clearly did not consider them part of the family i mean i assumed that they were going to stay in the ink world like at least for the beginning of the next book, because, you know, they just kind of defeated the conflict of this book. So now they're kind of like going to have some, a little bit of um, peace time. Well, this felt like at the, the end book. of the last book when like they sent Fenolia into the ink world the first time and literally they were like, oh, sucks to suck. You're just stuck there. I mean, like they said, out of sight, out of mind. mind. And like, that's they literally like, how they well, are about they're Eleanor on an issue. Who cares? Like, Eleanor and Darius, can't see ya, sorry. <laughs> this time, yeah, it just so happens to be Eleanor and Darius. But, yeah, I did feel that, which I'll say, I just want to, like, briefly, like, comment on Mo because, you know, I feel like I've really dug into him the past couple of episodes, you know, calling him incompetent. And I wrote a couple, uh, I wrote a couple times in my notes that I think... I was kind of becoming more interested in his character because there's a couple times he kind of discusses like where he can feel his heart kind of like growing colder and icier because of all the things that's happening to him, that's happening to his family. And it's kind of like almost like the opposite, I guess, of like Dustfinger's development, whereas like Dustfinger starts like in this darker place and he's kind of reaching the light, whereas Mo, I think, is like starting obviously in this light place and he's going into darkness because of what's happened to him. And I think that's very interesting and like how he kills Basta and what I kind of like briefly mentioned before about how we, how Charles mentioned with Meggie being like, what did you say? Pure good or what did yeah, you say the like word was? True good or neutral good or whatever it is. True good, neutral good, whereas like Fareed's more chaotic good. Whereas, so like at the end when they're about, when the Adderhead's about to let Meggie and Mo go, 
Mo takes the sword from Mo is like Firefox now like true neutral t- rather than basic good. Like he's like true neutral now. Like he's true like I am the equalizer. Yeah, he like picks up the sword because before he was like total pacifist, like didn't want to participate in violence at all. And Maggie, like when he picks up the sword, Maggie's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, Maggie, shut up. These people are literally about to kill you. You don't want to have a weapon? Like, and so I feel like there's like becoming that separation between Maggie and Mo in this moment because Maggie has to also learn that, that it's like sometimes like you have to defend yourself. Like that doesn't mean you have to turn into an evil person, which also is like that idea of the difference between like doing something bad, but still being a good person versus like turning into a bad person. Because Mo, like we said, he kills Basta and that's obviously going to weigh heavily on him. But the fact that it's weighing heavily on him and it's affecting him means that he is still inherently a good person. Whereas when you become evil is when you don't care. You become indifferent to, like, causing harm to other people and killing people. So, I don't know. That's just an interesting thing that I was thinking about, like, for how it's how he's going to develop into the next book. Because I do think he's becoming a more interesting character. But he's becoming a more I do feel like, adult, too. Yes, more of an adult, which, I mean, kind of embarrassing since he's, like, 30, 40 years old and he's just having this moment. But, you know... Everybody has their journey, but I also just think it's funny that I feel like he's just been completely dragged into the ink world when, like, he never wanted to be a part of it, but, you know, his wife got trapped there, and she doesn't want to leave. His daughter's now fallen in love with it. She doesn't want to leave, and so he's just, like, has to just adjust. Moral of the story, do what the women in your life tell you, because they're going to get what they're way anyway, so don't fight them. Yeah, apparently. Okay. Back to me hating on Finolio. He writes words for Maggie and Fareed. He's like, I'm not going to write Dustfinger back to life. What I will do is bring a psychopath into my world, which I keep complaining keeps getting messed up, and he might write <laughs> Dustfinger back to life. What? What? That made no sense. That made... Well, that wasn't Fenolio's idea. That was Fareed's idea. It still which, made no sense. Can you remind me, why does Fareed call Orpheus cheese She says face? that he's, like, so pale and, like, sweaty. But, like, he looks like the way, like, block hard cheeses, like, sweat in the sun. I don't know. I imagine, like, for some reason, when he kept saying cheese face, I'm imagining, like, Swiss cheese. So I'm like, does he have holes in his head? Like, I just, I was so lost. <laughs> I imagine because... him having a very large, round, like, moon-like face. Like a, like but a full like, moon. But that's, like, really, like, oh, I can't imagine that, like, in real life. Like, I can only imagine, like, a cartoon, which is, like, freaky. That's kind of me. what I imagine for Orpheus. Like, like, a baby face, and then, like, he's got, like, this deep, booming voice. But, I don't know. I just... Also because that was like introduced all the way way at the beginning of the book. But then when Orpheus comes back, Fareed starts say- calling him that again. And I'm like, why is he calling him Cheeseface again? Like, I can't, you know, remember that from 700 pages ago. Okay, okay. Well, they bring Orpheus into the world. Which, you know, what? And I, I was pretty angry. Like, I was just like, this is such a bad idea. Well, the reason they bring Orpheus back, or Fareed, it's Fareed's idea. He wants to bring Orpheus back because he knows that he's also good with words. And, you know, Maggie's like, Fenolio's kind of lost it. He's not very good at this. He may never write again. And Fareed's like, well, what if we bring Orpheus back and he can kind of, like, learn under Fenolio? So then he'll be able to write his own words to bring Dustfinger back. Like, he'll be able to write something, then Maggie can read it. Dustfinger comes back to life, and then everything's great. So that's kind of like... The idea that Fareed has, which I don't really understand how that's going to work. Because like Charles just said, we've pretty much established that like people can't come back from the dead. Which Dustfinger like is like a more special circumstance of like he didn't actually get killed. He did something very specific. So maybe there is a possibility for him to come back. But like as is explained, it's this whole idea of like he traded his life for Fareed. So like in order for him to come back, wouldn't someone else have to die? But also it was a... It was a, like, there was a legend in the ink world. Like, it was established canon that, like, this could happen in the ink world. It wasn't... Random. We just didn't want that character to die. You know? 
Yeah, it was something that was established. So it's kind of like once it's happened, like, can it really, like, can you go back from that? So it is, like, definitely something interesting. And, like, I am assuming that I would guess that, you know, the next book, the last book, will at least somewhat touch on this. I don't know if the whole book will be about it, but it should definitely be a part of it. Well, Roxanne doesn't even want them to bring Dustfinger back. Like, she doesn't even want to deal with, like, the hope. She doesn't want to deal with, like, the... The magic of it, she just kind of wants to, like, live in peace away from these people. And, of course, Orpheus. I mean, they don't know how crazy he is because they haven't spent a whole book with him, like, keeping them locked up in a prison. But they should know he's crazy. And he comes in, he's like, it's going to take me a couple months, probably. I got to get really acquainted. I'm going to need a servant. And for Reed, because he loves Dustfinger, he's like, I will serve you. And I'm like, What? Well, also, can we talk about how when Orpheus comes in, he's convinced that he read himself Psycho. into the book. Even though he, he wasn't freaking reading. Maggie read him into the book, and he's like, I finally did it. And I want to be like, what were you even reading? How do you think you got in after you've been trying for so long? That part made me really angry, because I was like, Maggie is clearly superior to you. And, you know, I don't root for Maggie often, but I was rooting for her in this moment that I was like, Maggie, you are a hundred times better than this man. You need to tell him. Well, she did, and he's like, no. And I'm like, dude. And that's when she should have punched him in the face. (laughs) Also, like, he literally wasn't reading, and he just vanished. And he's like, I willed it. I'm like, my dude. (laughs) No, he was reading. I I thought he was just walking around holding the book and trying to get absorbed into it. I think that he was reading out loud, because that's why even Eleanor was like, he did it. He finally, like, did it. Well, either way, he didn't do it. He didn't do it. He didn't do it. He couldn't do it. Nope. But, yeah, so I think that's, like, pretty much the end, but. Yeah, so clearly the next book is going to be involving maybe bringing Dustfinger back. Also, probably the end of the Adderhead, because we didn't mention this, but Mo said that he basically, like, booby-trapped the book. Like, basically, I think he, like, probably put, like, mold in it or something like that. Basically, the the book is going to decay, and when the book falls apart, the Adderhead could theoretically die. Yes. So, just for, like, final thoughts, I mean, I had been, like, I'm curious to see if Eleanor and Darius are going to also join in on Inkheart, or are they just going to stay in the real world the whole time? I feel like there's no way that they can stay in the real world and still, like, be involved in the story. So I feel like there has to be some way that they get inside the book or I guess Maggie and Mo and them could, like, come out for a little bit. Who knows? But, I mean, throughout this, like, second half of the reading, like, I literally almost forgot about them because we got just chapters and chapters where they just were not mentioned. Like, they honestly, we got a glimpse of them at the very end because they bring Orpheus in. But, like, we hadn't heard from them in a very long time. It's just that they weren't really experiencing plot. Like, every time they had a chapter, it was like, Eleanor is unhappy being a prisoner. Orpheus is still crazy. Done. And that was like six or seven chapters. Well, yeah, that's why I said Eleanor couldn't really be the favorite character because she really didn't get any real uh, growth or anything. She didn't even get any plot. Correct. Also, I wanted to mention that since Orpheus got read into the book by Maggie, which I think also is kind of like proof or I would think is proof that he didn't read himself in, is when he gets into the world, he still has the copy of Inkheart that he was holding. Which I would assume if he read himself into it, like, the book would have, like, dropped on the floor and he would have, like, dived into it. Like, that's how I would have imagined it happening. The magic, like, like he would <laughs> the book would have sucked him up and it would have just been the book left. Like, I don't know. I can't think of what movie I'm imagining, but, like, I don't know. When you see, like... Maybe it's like Halloween Town or something. It's kind of like Fantastic Beasts when they go oh, into the suitcase. I said Halloween Town. I have no idea. But I'm just saying when I imagine like, oh, you know, you read yourself into a book, I would imagine that if you read yourself into the book, the book cannot come into the like world with you. Like, that doesn't make sense. If you're going into the book, you are physically going in there. You're going in the world. Well, also, what are the ramifications of, like, the book being inside the book? The book is now inside its own world. Which, yeah, like, that's why, that but anyway, because he said he has the copy, he, like, tucks it under into his jacket, which, like, I don't understand, because this is a pretty giant book. I still don't understand how he stuck, like, stuck it in there. Like, I guess he has a giant book pocket in there, and it's not going to weigh down his jacket. But I figured that the fact, like Charles just said, 
bringing the actual book, like the world they're in, bringing the book that has it, like that obviously has to be important for the next book, which like I said, the last book is called Ink Death. And I think I predicted at the end of when we finished Inkheart, the first book, that I am assuming that Ink Death is going to be like the death of Inkheart, like maybe the death of the book, like they're going to burn the book in the end, like burn it, burn it, which either at this point, it could be that either they're all going to the characters, I guess we know, are going to escape Inkheart and like burn it so that they can't go back in or they're going to stay there and possibly burn their way out. Like, I, I have no idea. Like, they're burning it so, like, they can't get out. Well, we don't know, but we'll find out soon. So that soon. nobody can, like, leave. I don't know. I'm not sure. But we'll find out soon because next week we're going to start the final book of the original trilogy. So, next week we're going to read the first half of Ink Death, which is chapters 1 through 41, I believe. Oh. If you do read a... Is that correct? <laughs> so many pages. So many <laughs> chapters. Yeah, I know. It's a lot. We need to read some shorter things next. If you read along, go ahead and read through the end of chapter 41. And our next series is going to be an Asia pick. Do you want to announce it? Yes. So the next series we are going to be reading is the Skinjacker Trilogy by Neil Schusterman, which I know we just covered a Neil Schusterman book at the end of our sad, realistic fiction little mini random unit. But I figured since we did just cover him... I thought it would be nice to dive into a series of his. This is a series that I read, I believe, in middle school, and I loved it so much. I don't really want to spoil what it's about. I think we'll just wait till we get started. But I remember it being really good, and I've been looking forward to covering this series. So I'm super excited. So I cannot wait to be done with Ink Heart <laughs> so that we can go and do it. Well, just two more weeks. And then after that, we'll probably do a series that I picked out. I believe that's what we decided. But whatever. We've got to get through two weeks of Inkart and then the Skinjacker. And as always, if you have predictions, theories, or questions, remember that you can stay in touch with us about anything on the Nerd Party website. Just head over to nerdparty.com slash contact and select throwback paperback. You can send us an email there and get in touch with the network on Twitter at JoinNerdParty or on Instagram at TheNerdParty or Facebook.com slash TheNerdParty. And to find me, I'm at AsiaBonia on Twitter and TikTok and at Asia.Bonia on Instagram. And I'm at Seashells on Instagram. And make sure that you rate, review the podcast. You know the drill. Share it with your friends. Anyone you think might enjoy it. Check out the other awesome podcasts with the Nerd Party Network. And make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts so that you don't miss us next week when we rip the next book, a new one. Yes, hit that subscribe button and have a good one. We will see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.